Father, we thank you for this morning. And Father, we thank you for spiritual warfare. For if there wasn't spiritual warfare, we would not be prepared for spiritual warfare. And we need to be prepared, Lord. There's spiritual warfare going on even right now in this room. There may be an unbeliever in our midst. And there is spiritual warfare going on for their soul. The enemy is throwing darts, thoughts. And Father, we just thank you and praise you that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we need to be in that spiritual warfare for their souls as well as for ours, Lord. We can't lose our salvation. But the enemy would love to ruin our testimony. So we thank you for the morning. We thank you for these testimonies that you are building in these young people's lives. This is a part of their testimony for the rest of their life. What a blessing. Lord, I pray that you would use these situations in Mexico and at camp to further their commitment to you, that they would go even deeper with you in your word. Even as we share this morning, we thank you for them. I pray for the gift of teaching and that you, Father, you will be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's pick it up in verse 40. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. And so with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, the unbelievers who were gathered, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, water baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them or added to the church, which we believe to be around 120 people at this point. And then the last couple of weeks, we, t- we dived into verse 42 specifically. And we found out, what did the early church do? Well, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So the Old Testament, in fellowship, being around like-minded believers, in the breaking of bread, being in regular church attendance, and prayers, and they prayed together. So for us, for you and I, it's very important to apply those four principles into our lives personally as we look back at the early church. Well, let's press on now. Then fear or reverence came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. As we look at verse 43, the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, as we're doing a Bible study, we're not just doing a Bible study to get something in our head. You know, we want to become intellectually smart about the Bible. That's okay, but that's not the main reason. The main reason we do a Bible study and read the Word is say, okay, how can I apply it to my life, and what should my life reflect from maybe the early church? And so even as we do this, we want to realize that the Holy Spirit was working in the new-founded church. And the Holy Spirit was causing those who are not believers to come to that place of awe and reverence. Awe and reverence. You see, this group of believers were ordinary people who were known by many throughout Jerusalem, but what had taken place in their lives, and this is for you and me today, everyone in this room, we are ordinary people. 
We are ordinary people. And unfortunately, because we think that and then live that out, we neglect the fact that we are ordinary people that have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And so in a sense, even out in our workplace, we are the ordinary people as they are ordinary people, but we have something more than they have. We have God dwelling within us. So they should notice a difference as far as being ordinary. We should be a little bit different, not self-righteous, not super spiritual, looking down on people. No, 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 no. But they should notice a difference. You see, what had taken place in the lives of these ordinary people is what caused the unbelievers to take notice. That's what this says. What was happening in the life and what happens in your life when you reflect that change maybe in your workplace, whatever that might have been, people are going to step up and take notice. And they might say, oh, you're getting religious, aren't you? Okay, that's the common phrase. No, 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 no. I'm not getting religious My relationship with God through Jesus is growing. Hey, at lunch or at break or after work or before work, could I get together and share with you that? That took a whole five seconds, seven seconds. So make yourself available to the Holy Spirit because their lives were transformed and there was now a power that was quite evident in their lives. You see, there was no doubt that a tremendous change had taken place in their individual lives. Notice that many wonders and signs were done by the various apostles. You see, the Holy Spirit, and again, when we look back at this, a lot of times we can say, well, they were super saints. They were apostles. No, they were ordinary people that surrendered their lives to God and the Holy Spirit. And you see, the Holy Spirit will use anyone who desires. Do you have a desire for the Holy Spirit to use you? If you just said no, then you need to repent and get right with God. Because that's why you have the Holy Spirit within you. If you had to think about it, well, I'm not quite sure, then you need to repent. Because that's why you have God in you. If you said yes, get ready this week. He will use you if you make yourself available. This is not for the saints of old. This is for the saints for today. If you are available, if you make yourself available, God will use you via the Holy Spirit. But you and I, we have that decision every day as we're going throughout the day. You see, hopefully people will look at us as believers and see a difference in our lives that could someday lead them to show reverence or awe towards God. You see, if God has the power to change him, they might say, then God could surely change me. In 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2, we read this. Write it down. We've run long, so I'm just going to read over it. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but... For the will of God. You see, as saints, we still have this flesh, this thing that's called flesh. If you're new to the faith, that means those selfish desires, those desires that are wrong, that we've come to learn that are wrong. And we need to deliver deliver those desires up to God via the Holy Spirit. And say, Holy Spirit, deliver me from those desires. 
and we look at verses 44 and 45, we notice that they, they held all things in common. Now, this is not communism. This is not communism. This is communism. And communism takes control of every, communism takes control of everything for the betterment of the few, where here in the early church, they were giving their wealth to a cause of helping those in the church that had needs, no matter who that might be. Notice in verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone, as anyone, not the few at the top. As anyone had need. We're going to find out as we get into the book of Acts, this was not a good idea. It was not a good idea. It caused tremendous problems where they ended up needing help and support from outside the church because they had sold everything and given it all away. Not bright. Not a bright idea. God calls you to do that. By all means, he calls you to do that. But we'll learn as we continue to go through Acts, this was not what God was calling them to do as far as a whole church. In verse 46, notice that their newfound faith didn't discourage them from going to the temple. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They were in the temple area. It was that place of worship. And they desired to participate in that form of worship. But also notice the fellowship here and breaking bread from house to house. So they actually had home fellowships going on as well. So it wasn't just... One moment in time in the synagogue, it was throughout the week. They wanted to be around each other. You see, there were 3,000 new converts to teach the truths of the gospel to. And they didn't have eight tracks. You guys remember eight tracks? They didn't have cassettes, videos, CDs, DVDs, TVs, or phones with multiple apps. They didn't have any of that. They had each other. And they had the Old Testament. And now they had their newfound faith. They didn't even have the New Testament yet. But they were getting together to encourage each other. They relied upon one another and the Old Testament. And notice at the end of verse 46 there, that they were glad about their newfound faith. And that they were seeking after becoming one in the faith. Which we will see in the book of Acts. And we'll go over in the epistles as well. But they were coming together. You see, this newfound faith was a tremendous blessing and a welcome relief compared to the numerous requirements of the law. You see, it created a joy. It created a joy and simplicity that brought about a unity, focusing on a relationship with God. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with God, we are here, a majority of us are here today because a majority of us have a relationship with God. I came out of a religion that was not a joy to be a part of. It was not a joy. It was a pain. It was scary. It was an unhealthy fear. And when I received Jesus as my Savior and came into a relationship, then I saw the difference between religion and relationship. So here this morning, we're not trying to be religious. We're trying to deepen our relationship with God and see how we can be used of God. You see, focusing on a relationship with God will do that. Will do what? It will bring joy and simplicity into a person's heart where religion does the exact opposite. It brings debt. It brings duty, which takes away the joy and the simplicity of the gospel. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says this, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, 
beseech you, beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. You're a believer. Walk like a believer should walk. You're in a pagan environment. Worse than even America at that time. It's hard to believe it could be worse, but it was. But that's what they were coming out of, but yet they still lived in it. They still lived in it. So walk worthy with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, the unity of the Holy Spirit. You see, guys, that's our calling as individual believers in this church. That we as individual believers are called to promote unity, however that plays out, whatever that looks like. Not disunity, not backbiting, or trying to cause division, or trying to find wrong something wrong with someone or some ministry in the church, but rather praying and seeking out unity. And if there is a problem, doing Matthew 18... And going to that individual privately, one-on-one, not going to Facebook, not going to any social media, but going to that person individually, privately, quietly, humbly, trying to restore or find out the truth about the situation. And when that happens, that breeds unity. Social media does not breed unity. It breeds disunity, discord, hatred, ill will. Bitterness, resentment, malice. So we have to be very careful as believers that we're taking the word of God at face value. And we, as believers, are to be promoting unity. So they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now this is not the believer. This is with all the unbelievers as well. Having favor... With all the people and the Lord. Here's the emphasis here. Because again, we can put things on to Billy Graham. Or Greg Laurie. Or Luis Palau. Well, they have the gift of evangelism. And there is such a gift. And yes, they do have that gift. So then it's very easy for us to go, well, that's their gift. And that's their calling. And so I'll take someone to a, cra- a crusade. I'll, I'll take someone. Well, when was the last time Billy Graham was here? Is he coming back? He's not coming back. Luis Palau, probably not coming back. He's battling stage four cancer. Greg Laurie, who knows? Could be years. Are your coworkers going to go if you invite them? Most likely not. See, you and I, we are called to witness, to be that witness, to be that light in their lives, that there's a difference in our lives, that we might lead that person to Jesus Christ and not wait for the next crusade, which may never come. But the enemy loves putting that into our heads. Well, you know, no, just just stay calm. Don't share your faith. Be a secret Christian. You'll scare them if you let them know. Scare them. And the Lord added daily. So notice here, the Lord added, not Peter. The Lord added. Peter was just available. Peter and John, as we're going to see in chapter 3 here. They were just available. You see, the church started out with the respect from the general population. And right now in America today, guys, and I think every one of you, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, will agree with me, the church has very little respect right now in America. Much of that is self-imposed. But again, we can find people that do things wrong in every career. So we're not going to pick on the church. Every career. Dentists, doctors, You name a career, there's bad people in that career. 
But when we as a church stand up for morals and for a higher calling and then something happens in the church, it's way more obvious than all the other careers. So you, I, we have to be on guard about how we're living our lives and not give any person that that opportunity to accuse us. You see, God added to the church, but we need to do our part. Ultimately, it's God's responsibility to save people, not us. I have never saved anyone. Never. I've prayed with people to receive Jesus. This young lady did not save the little gal. She was just available two weeks after getting saved herself. That's amazing, guys. That's amazing. And maybe we need to think back to when we first got saved and how we were available for God. I don't know about you, but I was available for God. I was so excited about getting saved. I was available for God. I would do anything for God. And that naturally wanes. Life happens. Marriage, children, careers, hobbies. That's, you know, that's part of life. We have to acknowledge that. That's reality. But at the same time, do we let it wane so much that it's not even on the back burner? It's in the cupboard somewhere. I don't even know what shelf it's on. But it's in that cupboard somewhere. I really want to do something for God. I'm just not quite sure where I put it. That that shouldn't be for you and I. John 1.7 says, The same came for a witness, as John testified, to bear witness of the light that all men, and as you look up men there, that means mankind, men and women, through him might believe. Through Jesus. And as you, as we look at what Jesus said in John 12, 32, he says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, and we know from the gospels, this is speaking now of his crucifixion. The disciples didn't get it initially, but then they did, and we would now too. So Jesus was specifically saying, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, when I get crucified, when I die, I'm going to rise again, and I will draw all Again, that word is mankind to me. And so, guys, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're a part of that process of helping see others see that we're different. We're different. And yes, we make mistakes. No Christian in here does not make a mistake. We all sinned this past week. Every Christian in this room sinned this past week. None of us are perfect. That's not what we're to portray. We need to admit, yeah, I make mistakes. But I go to God, I ask for forgiveness, and I try not to make that same mistake. Simplicity and in truth. Chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Again, notice that the disciples did not neglect that time of prayer, but continued to go to the temple. At the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, so this would have been 3 in the afternoon. The day started at 6 a.m., 6 to 9, 9 to noon, noon to 3, 3 to 6, 12 hours. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb, please notice this, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So we want to remember as we read this chapter that this man was born with an infirmity. Now, now to me, this immediately, and maybe it did for you as well, took you to John chapter 9 that says... Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, 
this man or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, the parents had sinned. But Jesus is making a theological statement here because the disciples had some theologically that was whacked. And they were taught that by other rabbis. So we have to be very careful what we hear on the radio, what we read in print, that we sift everything through the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. We want to take everything through the Word of God. This Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. You know, I would venture to say that Peter and John would have a mental flashback as they're going through the scenario this morning that we're going to see. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And so he's a beggar. Give me a shekel. I need to eat. I need sustenance. And so as I read this, I have a question in my mind. It says that they took him. So he had friends that brought him to the temple. And he was specifically by a gate. How many times did Jesus walk by this man? Now we don't know. I'm just asking, just asking a question. He was there on a regular basis. So I'd venture to say that Jesus saw him probably at least once, if not more than that. And then I think, well, how many times did the disciples walk by him? Don't know, but probably more than once. You see, God's timing. And again, it's for you and I to learn a lesson here that God has timing and to be open and sensitive as we read this chapter to the work of the Holy Spirit. As we're going about our daily lives, here's Peter and John. Hey, let's go up and pray. All right, it's time to go up and pray. Day after day after day. But on this particular day as they're walking, the Holy Spirit, it's not like Peter had a, hey, I got a great idea, John. Let's go up to the temple and heal somebody. No, it doesn't. It's the Holy Spirit. They were ready to be used by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit came on them and in them, gave them an indication. You see, God's ways are not our ways, and his timing is way better than ours for sure. I don't have time to tell you a story, but the last month, we've gotten involved with a person's life that we've loved for decades, and God is just orchestrating so many things Behind the scenes. It's just amazing. It's so wonderful to see what's going on. But it's called being available. It's just called being available. Are you available? Am I available? When you're available, you may be... And we've been out of contact with these people for probably more than a decade. Just life happens in all of our lives. Life happens. It wasn't, you know, we don't want to talk to them. No, it's just life happens. But now God brought something up, we were available, we're back involved, and I'm excited to see what God's going to continue to do. It's exciting to be re-involved in these people's lives. How about for you? Are you available? That's the end of the, that's the question. John, Peter and John, they're available. They're available. Or if you're waiting to, on God to do something in your life, if you've been praying and you're waiting, just keep praying. God has a plan. Keep praying. Three answers. Yes. No, wait. Yes, no, wait. Keep praying. Keep being diligent. God has a plan. And fixing his eyes on him with John. Notice this. 
Notice that. Not just Peter, but with John. So the two of them are fixing their eyes. They're just minding their own business. Let's go up to the temple. But the Holy Spirit inspires them to do something. And Peter says, look at us. Notice that. Now look at me. Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Yeah, he has no idea what's going to happen. I don't think Peter and John did either, but they're just going, you know, step by step. And so that's a good example for you and I as well. Sometimes we want to know what's next. Well, why would God tell us what's next if we're not willing to do what's right in front of us right now? Well, yeah, but if I just knew... No, that's not walking by faith. No, you need to step out in obedience. Step out in faith to see what God would do. You see, they made eye contact here and fixing his eyes on him. And this is something that most of us avoid. I'm sure you guys can all relate to this. As you're walking down a sidewalk or you're walking down an aisle and you see somebody... Most people are like, don't look at each other. Don't look at each other. Look down. There's a can of beans that I don't need, but I don't want to look at this person in the eyes. That's just natural. It's uncomfortable when you look at somebody and they look at you. They're like, what, what are they looking at? Do I got something on my face? What, what's going on here? And you just smile and say, hey, how you doing? Now, I don't do this all the time by any means. So I'm not trying to paint that picture. But there's nothing wrong with having eye contact as well. Again, let's not go to the extreme that the enemy can cause us to do. But again, it goes back to being available. And Peter says, he made a command. He said, look at us. Look at us. You see, God had the opportunity and Peter and John took it and they were inspired to do something that you and I can do as well. Out of the box. Out of your comfort zone. Out of the ordinary throughout the day. God will do that if we're available. Why? Because God desires to use us for his glory, just like Peter and John here. Do I have a scripture to back that up? How about Ephesians 2.10? For we are his workmanship. Every believer in this room, you are a vessel. You are God's vessel. And he is shaping you and molding you if you allow him to. If you allow him to. He will never kick down the door and tell you to do something. He will be standing at the door knocking. Are you available? Are you available? But right here it says that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. But the enemy wants to bring fear into our lives because fear neutralizes faith. Oh, don't step out. Don't step out. You're going to look like an idiot. Oh, don't step out. Don't open your mouth. You're going to be embarrassed. And so we don't. But see, God has ordained good works for us, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them if we choose. If we don't, God will use someone else. But they're there. They're there if we want to walk in them. And so I encourage you, be available this week. Because this man looked at Peter and John for a handout, not knowing that things are going to drastically change in his life. I love verse 6. And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I have I give you. Notice, Peter didn't make an excuse about what he didn't have. He just shared what the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to share, his faith in Jesus. And as I just mentioned, 
Got a slide. How often do we limit ourselves in the ministry throughout the week? Oh, if the pastor was here. Oh, if there was an elder here. Oh, if there was a deacon here. Oh, if so-and-so was here. What about you? Don't wait for so-and-so, because they're not going to be. This is a moment in time for you that you will never see again. A moment in time for me that I may never ever see again. I can't wait for so-and-so. I've got to be available. But many again, at times, many, many times again, the enemy will say, we just don't think we have anything of, of relevance to share with somebody else. Let me do a show of hands. How many of your life and your Christian walk have you ever had this happen? You, you know the Holy Spirit's asking you to do something, you just think, I don't have anything to share. I don't have, has anybody in this room ever felt that way? Raise your hand high so that people can see it and that they all know this happens to all of us. It's happened in my life. It happens to us. So we're all in the same boat. So what do we need to do? Ask for more of the Holy Spirit. When you get that tug, when your heart starts beating, when you start getting that shaky feeling, don't focus on yourself. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you now. I need more of you now. I know you're calling me to do this. Holy Spirit, give me strength right now. And he will give you strength. And you will walk away going, yes, thank you, God, for using me. And we just do this and do this and do this. And you will find yourself being used more and more and more as you and I, as we surrender. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within us and desires to use us. And he took him, Peter, took this man by the right hand and lifted him up. Now let me go back, I'm sorry. Verse 6, I didn't finish verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So notice, not in the name of Peter, not in the name of Jim, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now you gotta get this picture. This is, I've been lame since birth, and who are you? And you look down at me, look, and we have eye contact, and you mentioned some guy's name, Jesus. I've heard that name because I've been in Jerusalem a long time and I've been at this gate and I know the recent things that have happened and that there was this guy named Jesus who was crucified and that supposedly he's been resurrected. I'm not blind in this fact, but what are you doing? Are you trying to make fun of me? I'm lame. Who, what are you doing? So this man had to make a commitment even in himself, didn't he? He could have sat on his hands and said, no. No, you're making fun of me. I don't like you. You must be one of those Christians. You see, this man, just by being asked, and again, do we ask others, even in a store? I've done this, and it's awkward, but the person said yes. I said, would you like prayer? As they were talking to me and explaining their situation, I said, would you like me to pray with you? So what? We're in a store. Who cares? Let's pray. And they did. They could have said no, but they did. So you never know if somebody's going to say yes until you ask. So ask for the Holy Spirit to give you boldness and then step out and ask. And here this man took Peter's hands and he lifted him up and notice a miracle here. This is supernatural. This is not Christian fiction. This is not channel 21 here. This is reality. And immediately... His feet and ankle bones received strength. That is a miracle. This man has not walked since birth. I mean, think of everything it takes to be able to walk. Muscles, ligament, joints, tendons, balance. 
He's never walked before. But God is going to bless this man with a miracle, one that no one could deny as we get through the chapter. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. (laughs) This is crazy. Walking and leaping and praising Peter and John. Is that what your Bible says? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. It's not about the messenger. It's about the message. I don't don't got a lot of money, but I come to you and give you Jesus. I offer you salvation. And maybe you're even here this morning without Jesus as your Savior. That's the message that we have for you as a collective body of believers. We say to you this morning, you know, we don't have a whole lot to offer. But we do offer you Jesus. And it's free. And I may never ever see you again. But it's free. It's your decision. I did this at the memorial yesterday. I know there were unbelievers there. But at every memorial service, I, I lay out the gospel and I do a prayer at the end of it. Someone might say, you know what? I need Jesus. And when you're at a memorial service, that's pretty eye-opening. When you finally realize 10 out of 10 people still die. And one day, your ashes or your body's going to be here. What are people going to be saying about you? It's the same thing today, guys. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, God loves you. God desires a relationship with you. You just need to jump. You need to leap. You need to say yes. And so this man, he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising Peter. Is that what your Bible says? Praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You never know, guys, what God's going to do as the music team comes up. You never know what God's going to do in your life. And there might be other people around you that are going to step back in amazement and just go, what just happened? Now, it might not be a miracle like this. But you know what? It might even be a greater miracle where somebody receives Jesus as their Savior, which is a far greater miracle than being healed temporarily. Because everybody's going to die. And we don't want to send healthy people to hell. So it's not, don't get focused on the healing. Get focused on the deeper message, which we'll get to next week, that Peter is going to proclaim that Jesus is resurrected. You're in your sin. You need a Savior. What are you going to do about it? And so that's the message for even you and I this morning. Is as believers, I think there's quite a few things that we pull out of this this morning that we need to be available throughout the day. We need to evaluate our hearts. Am I available? Do I even want to be available? Do I want to be bothered by God to be used by God? I mean, that seems like a goofy question, but that's basically what you need to ask yourself. Let me see. Used by God. Do I want to be bothered? Ah, uh, yeah, bother me. Please, God, bother me. Because most of us don't like being bothered, do we? We have an agenda, it's set, and we just want to get it over with, get it done. And when somebody else comes into our lives, we look at them and go, man, you are bugging me right now. Just get out of my life right now, would you please? Maybe God put them in their life, your life for a reason at that specific moment. To teach you something about your Christian faith. That you need to be more available for His work. Father, we thank you 
that you do bring people into our lives for very specific reasons at times. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's just, it's just life. But other times, as we've just read this morning, that you have ordained good works for us to walk in them, that, that sometimes there's a very specific reason why you've brought them into our lives. So Lord, help us to be available. Help us to be ready to say, I'll go, send me. Send me, I'll go. Help us to lay aside our schedule momentarily. Not to be irresponsible, but just to be available. Other people will understand if it's not that important. Other people will be excited about the testimony that they hear of you working in our lives. And that will encourage them to be available. So, Father, help us to, to learn these principles in your word even this morning. As Peter and John, they were just available, just going about life, but yet you inspired them to stop and address this man that will finish next week. So, Lord, we thank you for that example. May we learn from it. And, you know, maybe you're here this morning and you do not have Jesus as your Savior. I'm going to pray a simple little prayer. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, If you'd like to do that, you can do that. And God will receive you as his son, as his daughter. But you have free will. No one can make you do that. So if you'd like to pray that prayer, I just be the, I'm available this morning. I'm just the vessel to tell you that God loves you and he's available. So if you'd like to receive him, just pray this simple prayer. God, Thank you for loving me. A sinner. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. A sinner. God, I repent. I reject my pride right now. And I humbly say I need a Savior. I need your Son. So right now, God, I accept Jesus into my life. Right now, God, I invite your Holy Spirit into my life. I'm really not sure what that means, but I know you're going to teach me. Because if you forgive me and love me, then why wouldn't you teach me? You will. So I say thank you. Thank you that I am now your son. I am now your daughter. And I can now call you father. My father. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you and praise you for the free gift of salvation. And Lord, if anyone prayed that prayer, we pray that they would get a Bible and just dive in, Father. Just dive in to learn about what that relationship is all about. And that we can help them in any way possible. We thank you for the day. Use us this week, Lord. Help us to be available. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, guys. Have a blessed week. If you need prayer for anything, please come up and
We'd love to pray with you. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We'd love to pray with you guys. God bless you. Have a great day. This is my story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. For the grace that is greater than all my sin. Of when justice was served And when mercy wins Of the kindness of Jesus That draws me in Oh, to tell you my story Is to tell of the grace That is greater than all my sins of when justice was served and when mercy wins of the kindness of Jesus draws me in oh to tell you my story is to tell of him oh to tell you my story is to tell of him Amen. God bless you.